0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 38 of the Learning to Lead podcast excited to be with you again this month. This month I had the opportunity to sit down with Pastor Lee Kreicher from Amplified Church in Pittsburgh, and I actually had not known Lee. Uh, Lee was referred to me by an interview I had done previously with Jay Passivant, and I'm so grateful for Jay for referring Lee to me. Uh, it was a phenomenal interview, as you'll hear in a few minutes, and um, I'm just so glad I met Lee. And a little bit about Lee's story, um, Lee actually started Amplify Church um, many, many years ago Actually left the church and went into uh, to work for a leadership development company, and then he came back and realized that the average age of his church he he basically his church was not reaching the next generation, and so he came back as a senior pastor. and After a few years under his leadership, his church changed the entire average age of attenders of his church, and uh, it's just incredible what God is doing in and through their church through the next generation uh, right now in Pittsburgh, and uh, it's been. And such an incredible thing that Lee actually wrote a book on how he did it called For a New Generation. And uh, the tagline, it's a practical guide for saving your church from extinction. And Lee walks you through the a journey in his book on how his church uh, really became effective at reaching the next generation. And um, when I interviewed Lee, he actually was willing to provide five copies of his book uh, to give away. And so I'm actually doing a free book giveaway if you're listening to this and you're interested in receiving a copy of, of Lee's new book. Um, there's actually... In the show notes on the blog post, uh, you'll see a little section that says book giveaway with details on how uh, you can get one of the five free copies. And if you don't get one of the five free ones, I recommend buying the book. I've gone through it and uh, some really challenging questions for church leaders. But really, if you're a church leader in any capacity, I recommend uh, that you not only listen to this podcast, but you also go out and buy uh, the book and it'll add value to your life. It'll add value to your church and it'll add value to your church leaders as well. So that being said, I just want to jump right into the interview. Lee and I actually talk about the book and, uh, and kind of the process of how that happened in the interview. So again, I hope this adds value to you. If there's any leaders that you would like me to interview, please send me an email. I'm always looking for new leaders and um, referrals, so I'd appreciate that. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I'll talk to you uh, later this month. Enjoy the interview. Lee, thank you so much for being willing to do this interview. I'm excited to learn from you. And why don't we just start with you just telling us a little bit about you.
1: Well, um, thanks very much for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm senior pastor here at Amplify Church. And some people may know us as Pittsburgh East Community Church. Uh, We had to change our name because we now have campuses in Indiana, PA, and downtown Pittsburgh in the Strip District. And so uh, it's a very exciting time in the history of our church. And Um, I'm excited to be right in the middle of it Um, but yeah I was born in Philadelphia and moved to Pittsburgh after I got married met my wife at IUP when we were there at school and had been a Pittsburgher. at heart ever since and even have turned into from a Flyers fan into a Penguins you know fan and from a Phillies fan into a Pirates fan. Wow. Pirates are getting started here any moment. and Is that uh, for
0: the sake of your church growing or, or no? Uh, well, they,
1: it was probably an essential part of reaching people in <laughs> Pittsburgh yeah. to not be a Philly fan. But um, no, it's been great. And we, And for about seven years when I was not in ministry, I was living in Atlanta And so um, during those years, um, we were out of state, and those were wonderful years as well. That's great. I have two daughters um, and three grandchildren. One's about a week old, so life is good.
0: That's great. So before we get into a lot of the leadership questions, you just recently wrote a new book. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it?
1: Yeah, the book is called For a New Generation, A Practical Guide for Saving Your Church from Extinction. And it was interesting. I was out of full-time ministry for about 13 years. When I came back, I came back to the church that I helped to found um, here at Pittsburgh East. And the thing that struck me is not only was the attendance low and the giving was low and those were actual challenges, but the biggest issue was the average age of the church. And so the average age of the church was a little over 50 years old, which was about my age at the time. And so it made me realize um, something had to to change. And especially, so when I talk about a new generation church, I'm talking about a church that has an average age that's consistent with the average age of the community in which the church is located. So the average age of the eastern suburbs of Pittsburgh here is... um, just about thirty five years old, so as a church, we were fifteen years older on average than the church uh, than the community in which we were located and serving and to me that 's a huge red flag, and it made me realize we we weren 't reaching our community for Christ we were just reaching older people in our community for Christ, and so um, we went on a, a pretty significant and comprehensive journey to reach the next generation for Christ and this book is about that journey but it's also for people who are in a similar situation who either want to um, uh, to reach young people in the next generation more effectively in their church whether a church member or a church leader uh, or churches that are effectively reaching the next generation but they want to make sure they keep that going so, um, so that's really why for a New Generation was written.
0: Can you give us a little teaser, maybe like one or two uh, key points in the book that helped reach the next generation?
1: Well, I think oh, one of the things we talked about was the change in mindset that we had. And While we were living in Atlanta, uh, we went to Andy Stanley's Church, North Point Community Church, and I'm very blessed that Andy wrote the foreword for the book. Uh, but as we were at Andy Stanley's Church, I found out something And that is that they had a mindset that was very different than what our church had been. And to to a great degree, our mindset as it related to young people in our church was, if it was good enough for us, it'll be good enough for them. And so we came to Christ a certain way with a certain kind of music, a certain kind of environments. And so if it's good enough for us, if it was good enough for our parents, it's good enough for our children. Uh, And I think North Point had a very different philosophy of ministry, and it was, what will it take? to reach our children what will it take to reach the next generation and so that's really the mindset that we had to switch to and that's a core part of being able to reach the next generation is to ask that question so that's a that's a key part and it's not so much a technique but it's a mindset or an approach to church but it's a mindset that people need to have what will it take to reach the next generation for christ and i think a second thing that was a really big deal for us is and it's it's very common in churches and that is we're focused on keeping people rather than reaching people we want to keep people who are here at church rather than reaching people who aren't And the dwindling number of people who were there, it was, you know, to build the entire church around trying to um, meet their needs was a guarantee that our church would soon be extinct. And so we really had to shift our mindset in that way.
0: That's really good. Um, So tell us about your leadership journey. I know you've done leadership consulting, et cetera. You obviously planted this church and started it from scratch. Um, Were you just a born leader? Did you have to grow and develop a lot? Walk us through that journey.
1: Well, I think, and we are talking a little bit about leadership, I do think from the experience that I've had in leadership and in leadership development that there are certain characteristics and traits that people may be born with that make them more natural as leaders. However, every leader can learn to be a more effective leader. And so, uh, you know, so I think that for, for me, I was in my early 20s when we founded this church. Actually, my wife and I, we started a Bible study that we didn't expect to turn into a church. Wow. And it just started to grow. We were in a home and had about 30, 40, 50 people. And then it was, well, we should become a church. We started to meet in a hall. We became a church. And that was in the late 70s. So for the first 12, 13 years of my life after school, you know, was serving as a pastor of a church, kind of an unexpected pastor, you know, in a role. So there were some leadership skills and things that I think I came by naturally and were a gift from God. I think I have the gift of leadership. But at the same token, there were a lot of things that I did not do well and didn't handle well as a young leader and uh, so I was fortunate uh, during the years I was not in ministry to be able to be working with a couple of amazing leadership development firms. DDI is one here in Pittsburgh and I started as a consultant with them and after uh, that that was the company that uh, relocated me to Atlanta as one of the regional vice presidents, and I ended up as Vice President of Leadership Development for Ddi and Then I ended up moving to a company called Linkage out of Boston and there I was serving as um, a regional vice President and the head of their executive coaching practice and so those things were uh, were great opportunities those jobs were great opportunities to learn about leadership and how people can become more as leaders.
0: Hmm. Talk about maybe one or two people that have come alongside you in your journey that made a, a significant impact on your leadership journey.
1: Well, I think... Um Jay Passavant, who is here in Pittsburgh, is a really great friend and a mentor to me. He just actually re- recently moved from the role of founding pastor of Northway Christian Community. And he's now, he went from the senior pastor to founding pastor in his role. But he made a great transition to uh, pass it along to the next uh, pastor. And the church is thriving and doing well. So he's been a great encouragement to me in my journey and was instrumental in me coming back into full-time ministry ten years ago and still continues to be a great colleague and mentor I also think of Andy Stanley and when we we had been attending church as a family in Atlanta but we had two teenage girls and every weekend was a fight and so we went to North Point based on a number of invitations And the first weekend on the way out, my one teenage daughter is on the phone to her best friend saying, you're coming to church with me next week. And so I knew, wow, something's happening here. And after being there for a short time, I thought, wow, Andy Stanley is as strong of a leader as I've met anywhere in industry. And yet he's the pastor of a church. And so often the church doesn't have strong leadership skills And it's not a major focus, because a major focus is sincerity of heart, prayer, devotion. But here, Andy Stanley was the person who demonstrated amazing leadership skills. So he's been a great mentor to me, not that we talk a lot by phone or anything like that. I met with him before I came back into full-time ministry, and we correspond. But through his... Podcasts and through his messages over the years and his books, he's been a great mentor to me as well.
0: That's great. So, while we're talking about resources, um, what books have, have influenced you, and what books would you say are must reads for our young leaders?
1: Well, I think um, I, I start with Andy Stanley's um, books and He particularly um, has written a book recently that is really all about, it's called Wide, Deep, Deep and Wide, and it's about the fact that in the church, uh, very, very often there's an assumption that if a church is reaching a lot of people, it must be because they've watered down the principles of the gospel, and that somehow, because they're reaching a lot of people, that that's a bad thing, and... Uh, he's saying, no, you can deeply impact the lives of people and they can become disciples for Christ. And yet it doesn't mean that they are... Um, and, and yet you can reach a lot of people as well. I, I think it's a fantastic book. And I also really love Bill Hybel's book called Courageous Leadership. And it was released a few years ago, but it, it it made a big impact for me. And I think even though those are both faith-based or faith-oriented books, they contain some tremendous leadership skills. Um, a lot of John Maxwell books, I think, are great. My wife and I are both certified in through their EQUIP program, and we've done quite a bit of leadership training in, in Germany um, on behalf of John Maxwell. Uh, so those are just a few a, a few books that are great. I think John Cotter has a book called Leading Change that was very instrumental and helpful for me when I was leading change here at Pittsburgh East, which now is Amplify Church. So there's, that's more than a couple, but those are some that stick out to me.
0: That's good. And um, maybe books and maybe spending time with leaders. What are things that you do continuously to continue to grow and develop as a leader as you've had to grow?
1: Well, I think reading is a big part, and one thing that I require and I ask for all those who are on our staff is that they choose a conference each year that at least one that is uh, would be impactful for their ministry. And so I definitely follow that as well. So I like to go to leadership conferences and be and just be exposed to the latest in leadership thinking. Um, I think drive. Out of North Point is the best conference for Christian for church leaders. It's fantastic. And uh, Bill Hybels has his leadership summit every year in Chicago, and I was there recently, and it's fantastic. Jim Collins was one of the speakers, and boy, his books are very influential to me, and they're they're great as well, even though he's not a faith based uh, writer. So.
0: It's good. Um, Talk about failure when it comes to to your journey. Maybe a few failures. What have you learned about failures over all these years of ministry?
1: I think for me, the most, uh, the biggest failure I had is toward the end of my first tenure in ministry. I, um, I just allowed my priorities to slip, and my focus went on. A big building program we were working on and a number of other things but my relationship at home and with my family was put on the back burner way on the back burner and as a result we, uh, I almost lost my marriage and that was a very traumatic time and I realized uh, then and, and that was the catalyst for me to leave the ministry to begin with and so you know I realized coming back into ministry thirteen years later that I, I had to have a very different approach to balancing ministry and life, but that would have to be probably the most clear cut failure i 'd look at in my own life
0: I mean and looking back to what I mean obviously it seems like you fixed that. so what are some things that you did as you go through that experience to make sure it doesn 't happen again now?
1: Well, I think we went you know we went through counseling at the time and made a uh, a major focus to stay together and so uh, we did that and we 've uh, looked at a lot of things in our marriage and i 've looked at a lot of things in my marriage, my family that I have a much better balance at this time in in the ministry as far as priorities go. One of the biggest things is the ability to Uh, to say no to some things that are ministry-related or uh, other activities and things that easily fill up your time and your calendar and it leaves no margin or breathing room for your relationships. And that's something that I've become pretty determined about.
0: Were you bad at that in the beginning? Because I feel like a lot of us are bad at saying no.
1: Yeah, I think there's a great book called Simple Church that really described the it's almost the opposite of what we were as an early church you know during the first years of our church i always thought if something if somebody had a good idea that they wanted to do in the ministry say yes and so we had stunning numbers of programs and ministries in the church that were all going and as the leader of the church, I'm trying to help balance all of those and say, are they getting enough airtime during announcements and enough support? Am I going to enough of their meetings? And uh, the premise of Simple churches is that the greatest churches are not the ones with the most programs, but they're often the ones with the least number of programs because they have the greatest amount of focus. And the same thing can happen in our personal lives. We can have our lives so full of things that they really lack focus. And what are the most important things? Well, they're our relationships with God and with our family, and then God's calling on our life. So those are the things we really need to focus on, and those are things that I found uh, that that I can't allow to slip to the wayside.
0: That's good. Let's talk about leadership just in general a little bit. Uh, What do you think the biggest challenge is facing leaders today?
1: Well, on my heart, I've got obviously given the book that i just wrote uh, i think mentoring the next generation is a huge part for leaders and i'm in that time in my life where really i'm looking at what kind of leadership legacy that i'm going to leave leave and uh, my goal you know i talked to a pastor not too long ago who had said uh, he said well what happens when i'm gone is in god's hands and that's true but what I was saying to him is, hey, look, you have to have a successor. You have to have somebody you're mentoring. You have to have people who you're building up around you so that when you're gone, the ministry doesn't end. It's, it's just, it just doesn't seem to be God's plan. And I think of that when I, I look at someone like Joshua who you read about his exploits and he was an amazing example in so many ways and he obviously learned some great things from Moses and conveyed them to his peers and it said as long as he and his peers were alive the nation was serving God but somehow and we don't understand why but somehow they lost touch with the next generation <clears throat> because the moment their generation died the next generation turned away from God and that's, that's not the kind of legacy that I want to, le- to leave. So uh, mentoring, to me, is a huge part of leadership. And even for our young leaders who aren't thinking in terms of their successors, we have a principle called three deep leadership in our church that says, who are the three people that you are mentoring who, when you're gone, any number of them could step in and the ministry doesn't, doesn't falter. So to me, if someone goes on vacation and they come back and everybody's saying to them, oh, we missed you so much, it's not the same without you, to me that's not a compliment. That's an indication of a failed leadership because they should be able to leave. And of course it will be different, but you should always have people who you're building as a team who are able to step in and make a difference even if you're not there.
0: That's good. So you spent 13 years professionally developing leaders outside of the church. What did that experience teach you? And along with that, what do you find that the church leaders can learn from business leaders and vice versa? What can business leaders learn from church leaders?
1: I think two of the big things that I saw of the best executives that I coached and saw in action in different industries, one is tremendous focus. So they had a clear-cut vision, and they were able to focus – effectively and i think of an example of a experience i had i was scuba diving off of australia at the great barrier reef and it was it was fantastic it was one of those great once in a lifetime i was on a consulting trip and i t- <laughs> added a few extra days i had to be in Sydney, australia uh, and so i w- went up on a dive boat for a few days and i was about 80 or 100 feet deep and it was a fantastic dive. I'm looking at a bunch of clownfish and a giant anemone. And the the sea life there is just like nowhere else in the world. And when I got back on the boat, we were talking, and everybody was buzzing, all the other divers. And I thought, well, that was a great dive, but you guys, they were over the top. And they said, well, didn't you see the whale? And I said, what do you mean? they said, there's a beluga whale right hovering above us, swam right above us. well, here I was so focused on this beautiful family of clownfish that I missed the whale, and I think the best leaders don't miss the whale, and I think many times as church leaders, we tend to be so wrapped up in our programs, our ministries, our traditions, our practices, you know making people feel good who are attending the church. Um, and trying to put out fires that we miss the whale and the whale is reaching the world for Jesus Christ and reaching the next generation for Jesus Christ I think that's a a huge priority so one of the biggest things that I saw from great leaders in industry is that they didn't miss the whale they understood what they were all about and they stuck with it
0: And would you say anything to business leaders listening to this, what they can learn from church leaders?
1: Well, it's interesting. There was a trend, and I especially saw it in conferences that Linkage was putting on when I was working with them, about uh, things under the title like bringing your heart to the workplace and spirituality. Now, obviously, they can't put it in terms of uh, Christian terms, but there's a sense that you can be a methodical an effective leader but if somehow you don't have a heart for people and so th- that, that you're going to not be a well-rounded leader and so business leaders I think can learn from Christian and church leaders that it's about more than just effective leadership and the bottom line that it's about the impact you're having on people and change lives so there's great things to learn both ways. I actually, to, to me, and I think John Maxwell is a great one to bring this out, almost every effective leadership principle that I've read about or seen in action, you can find, it, it, it's downstream from truths you find in the scriptures. So I believe that all the great leadership principles are found in the scriptures. And... Yet sometimes people who aren't in the church practice them better than those who are. That's
0: good. So I've heard John teach in the 80s, it was about management. In the 90s, it was about leadership. And now more and more today, it's about team leadership, right? You need a team of leaders, strong leaders. And I'm just curious, I mean, you're connecting with leaders all the time. What does it take for a leader to lead leaders? I think it's easier to lead followers, but when you get a room full of leaders who are all about their agenda and what they want to do, any insight into that? How one? How do you be confident in that room, right? When you're not the smartest person, and how do you lead those other people?
1: Well, the the, the team that I'll meet, and I'll meet with them later this morning. Uh, those who are the direct reports for me here at the church, we, we have a tremendous group of leaders. None of them are shy. You know, they're all they all have strong opinions and really good opinions, and. I'll stress unity and the importance of, of unity with one another. We spend a lot of time. We spend a couple days in January, just doing strategy together about where the church goes. So I don't come in and say this is where the church is going. Um, I really pull together the, you know, the closest kind of the inner circle of leaders that are that God has raised up in our church, and we really prayerfully consider different options and where are we going as a church? What are we doing? ultimately I've got to make the call on such things but um, but the ideas don't all come from me and most of the great ideas come from the people who are around me and also as time has gone on each of them has their areas of responsibility we're all accountable to one another but uh, they have a lot of freedom in carrying out their roles like, for instance, the two campuses that we have right now. Um, one young man who I'm doing a lot of mentoring with is a graduate from Hillsong, and his name is Jason Howard. Well, Jason is the campus pastor for our city campus that meets Sunday nights in the Strip District. And seldom do I even go down on Sunday nights. So he fully has responsibility. That's his you know, his calling is there and I see it. I mean, it's a key part of his calling and I'm fully aware of what he's doing. And yet, you know, it's, you know, when people go to that church on Sunday night, they see him as their pastor, even though I'm the senior pastor of Amplify Church.
0: That's good. So let's talk about young leaders uh, for a minute. I'll ask you how you develop them later, but what qualities do you look for in up and coming leaders?
1: Well, I look for someone especially as it relates to church leaders, someone who has a heart for the vision of the church. If someone is primarily for their own agenda, they're not going to end up on staff at Amplify Church. In fact, every key hire we've ever made in the 10 years I've been back in full-time ministry has been internal because these are people who come to the church They fall in love with the vision and the passion of who we are. And that's to lead as many people as possible into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And then very often they're then volunteering part-time. And then they volunteer a little bit more than part-time. And then all of a sudden they're on full-time staff. So to me, the heart is the most important thing. And it's a heart that says, I'm in it with you to accomplish a greater goal. Uh, rather than, here's my personal agenda, let me see how it fits into, let's see if it fits into this church ministry. So I think having a heart that really connects with the leader's heart is a huge deal. But then I look for certain things like uh, people who are take initiative, people who are confident, and people who are not afraid to speak out, but also people who can handle conflict well. Uh, I'm very direct and I expect people to be direct with me and it's but it's direct without being hurtful or mean or anything else it's being able to say hey that didn't work and that's not going to ever happen again and let's talk about why and that did work really well that's fantastic and so being able to hold those discussions if I speak on a Saturday night, I speak on Saturday night typically before I speak on Sunday morning, and I elicit feedback from some key people who are who are saying hey that didn 't work well, this would work better and every one of us can learn and grow uh, from feedback so people who are defensive aren 't going to be around a long time unless they can work through it because you know we 're about um, a high-involvement approach to leadership.
0: I love that. Where do you see young leaders missing most often?
1: Well, I think sometimes failing to connect to that larger agenda. You know, there's a sense of, first of all, I want to advance quickly to a position of significant leadership, Um, but I want to do it pretty much on my own terms and that's just not a wise approach to take and i think sometimes in industry it works because people can work two two years here or three years there and build their profile and build their resume and and keep moving on without ever tying their heart to the organization that they're with i think and and that could work in industry in the church it really doesn't You know, if somebody's looking to move from church to church, but they're never really connected with any one of them, I just don't see that as being God's plan. So I think really being able to say, do I really believe in the place where I am? And if so, I'm all in. I'm all in. Even when there are decisions that are made I'm not all that crazy about, I am all in. And unless God clearly moves me somewhere else, I'm here. And then you allow your, your, I think, your leadership opportunities to grow more naturally instead of uh, instead of having them being driven by your own agenda.
0: If you could give any advice to, to young leaders, even the ones on your team, what would it be?
1: Well, I think it's to keep your eye on the goal, which is the focus and the vision of what it's all about. And I'm talking about on the professional side of their life. And so if you've got a if you're in a business, what's the purpose that business is, is there for? And if you're in a church, what's the vision of that church? And so build your life around that. And make sure on the personal side that's well balanced with your your relationships your family and your friends so that there's no margin in your life for those because there's a steep price to pay when you uh, when, when you fail to have that kind of margin
0: okay we'll, we'll just do a couple of closing questions for you personally out have everything you've accomplished up to this point in your life what are you most proud of
1: I think turning around this church, because Pittsburgh East was, we we were in an interest only arrangement with a bank. The building was crumbling around us because we had no money to put into it. For instance, the, the roof of our sanctuary was in such bad shape. Every time it rained, water was pouring in the sanctuary. We came in to find the grand piano filled with water uh, from a leak in the roof. The... And the fact is, the attendance was under two hundred, and the average age again was skyrocketing, and so we were able to. And the whole story is in the book for a new generation. We, we were able to apply every all the best leadership principles I could, um, with God's help, and reach a whole new. Group of people who are unreached, and a large percentage of the people who have started to attend our church. And between our three campuses now, our attendance is about 1,600, and our average age has become 35, which is almost exactly what our community is, which is what my hope was. A new generation church isn't a church that just has 20 somethings or 30 somethings in it, but it's uh, a church that really effectively reaches its community. And uh, so the fact that we've been able to make that kind of comeback and If I was gone tomorrow, I believe it would continue on because of the leadership mentoring that I've been able to do. That, to me, is a great accomplishment and something that I'm very, very pleased to be a part of. (laughs) That's
0: great. And then last question. 15, 20 years from now, where do you see yourself? And ultimately, looking back on your life, what do you want to be remembered for?
1: Well, I think... That 15 years from now, and it won't be that many, but I I would still expect to be uh, involved with Amplify Church, but I will have moved from being senior pastor and heading up day-to-day operations to founding pastor, similar to the role that Jay Passivant has now with Northway. And so the day-to-day operations of the church will be handled by the new senior pastor and my successor Jason Howard has already been named and approved by the board and so if everything goes as I would anticipate he'll be the senior pastor at the time and I would hope that I would still have a positive influence here at Amplify Church but also that I would be able to be a coach and a mentor to pastors and other churches especially those who are trying to be more effective at reaching the next generation. So uh, I've got a website called ForNewGeneration.com that talks all about our journey. But I think there's a lot of churches that can make that journey rather than close their doors. And there's way too many church buildings now that are housing restaurants and bars and clubs and other things. And the people who are in that church would have never dreamed that they would have closed their doors. But somehow they just got older and older and older and faded away. I don't think that's God's plan. So as far as legacy goes, I would hope that they would say about me that he paved a way for a new generation.
0: That's great. And then anyone listening to this, how can we serve you? I mean, is it just getting the book, believing the message, and trying to develop the next generation? What's the best way we can serve you?
1: Well, uh, to me, I think if you're aware particularly of a church that either needs to more effectively reach the next generation or uh, wants to make sure they continue to build into their church DNA the necessary things to continue to reach the next generation, uh, yeah, just refer them to this book for a new generation. And uh, it, it provides a lot of questions that can really... Move churches in the right direction, and so I just think it's getting the word out.
0: That's great, Lee. Thank you so much for your time and all the wisdom. I appreciated it.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it, Yeah,
0: that was great.